This is the Doctor, President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castorbrus. Hey you fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 94. 94. 94. <laughs> For the benefit of our listeners, Gary is joining us live from Broadmoor Prison after being caught taking a selfie in the Who shop at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I uh, saw it. You saw it, did you? All the pictures, yeah. like, uh oh, in trouble. Um, yes, another another little incident at the Who Shop at the weekend. <laughs> another one. Another one. I shall tell right. you very soon. Right. Right. Welcome aboard the TARDIS, everybody. Thank you for joining us for episode ninety-four. I hope you've had a cracking Doctor Who week and you've managed to do something in your lives related to the Traveling Time Lord. What have you been up to, buddy? Anything cool? Uh, not a lot, mate. I've been listening to our review thingy this week quite a lot because uh what's trying to get it to sink into my brain what was actually going on in some of the stories so i've been doing that re-listening um i had a little tiny little delivery from uh forbidden planet yesterday which was a tardis funko pop key ring or keychain. okay yep. um and uh yeah i have to say the quality control at funko is not great um and it's- it, it looks like it's been chewed by a dog <laughs> it's a t- oh god! Considering that it's considering it, I mean, you you'd imagine you you know how how many things can go wrong with making a keyring. Well, it um yeah, it looks like they've had trouble gluing the lid on, and basically they've managed to bash. It looks like they've bashed it on because there's all these scratch scratch marks and uh, the lids on wonky, and also the paint bleeds have all gone into the window. So it, yeah, I was like, I opened it up yesterday. Oh, this great big box with a tiny little keyring in it, and I was like. Oh dear, <laughs> it looks terrible. Oh, um, this is the thing with Funkos. I think you've got to get them from the shop, haven't you? It's no good ordering them online because it's just pot luck. Yeah, it is, mate. That's the thing yeah. with Pop. It's um, yeah. for the most part, for the most part, they're generally okay, aren't they? But yeah. you do get that odd one. I mean, I've got um, I've got an old um, uh, Batman pop funko and it's absolutely dreadful like the paint is all over the place and yeah um i don't mind so much around like um like under the like the base of the head or around the feet or something but when you get it around like you know the big white eyes when they're not perfectly circular yeah i know yeah and you've got paint over that and then you've got around the the mask and yeah i know what you mean it's not it's not that they must just pump so many out very quickly yeah it's, it's very difficult to make everyone perfect i suppose but it's funny know. you say about the eyes because I remember buying one of the Iron Man ones ages ago and um, spending ages in in the shop trying to pick the perfect one. And oh, I was there for so long. I was like, yeah, oh, that was good. Oh, no, but that bit of the body's not right. Anyway, finally found what I thought was the perfect one. And it wasn't until I got home and got it in a certain light that I realized it was perfect apart from the eyes, which were completely off. Like you could see, like they were totally off center, both of them. So they were sort of just a tiny fraction 
lower right. than they should be. You could sort of see the bit where they were supposed to be painted on. I was like, no, no, ages no. Picking the perfect one. Oh, uh, so disaster. But yeah, you're right. They probably pump out so many. It's difficult. But I was just, um, I wasn't really annoyed. I was just like, I almost just laughed. I was like, look at the state of this, you know. Bloody hell. Sometimes you have to just pick the best of a bad bunch. Yeah, you know? and it was so lovingly packed as well, considering it was from uh, FP. It was so oh, lovingly okay. boxed. Yeah, oh, nice. it was just nice. in there on its own. Yeah, so but Funkos are definitely ones that I would rather buy in a shop. So I agree with you because yeah. um, if you get that one through the post and the paintwork looks like it was done by forty-year-old alcoholic in the dark, <laughs> it's just you're, you're stuck with it unless you want to send it back. But what can you? I don't know. I suppose Amazon, if you order it from Amazon or so, they'll probably take it back. But Yeah. I was I just I was like, oh, I can't bother. My other half was just like, yeah, but if you use it as a key ring, it's going to get bashed anyway. And I was like, <laughs> using it as a key ring? I said, this is staying boxed. This is not coming out. <laughs> How de- the very, How the very thought of it. Yeah, the very thought of it leaving its box. But uh, no, it's so bad, it probably I probably will use it as a key ring, actually. Uh, so no, there's no point keeping it boxed, but there we go. So that's what I've been up to. Uh, what about you? What have I been up to? Um... Well, I haven't really done much in a way of who, to be honest. I've been out and about a bit with work and um, and busy with that sort of stuff. I haven't really had a chance. I have, um, because I've listened to our review um, uh, episodes, um, I've listened to those a couple of times. It did yeah. get me in the mood for some tenant, I must admit. So um, mm. the only thing I've done really is stick on a couple of um, episodes from uh, Series 4. Um, so I had to watch Unicorn and the Wasp. Oh, yeah. Because my wife just insists that we watch that one whenever we're <laughs> watching David Tennant. So I had to watch that, um, which I'm actually learning. I'm I'm, it's, I'm getting into it more and more. I watch it. I must have watched it. Like, if you're in the right mood for it, I think it's actually a cracking little episode. It's that. a great laugh yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so I must have seen that like maybe six, seven times now because the missus, she just loves it. Um, she thinks Donna's really funny in it and it's just a good little, yeah, good little laugh. So, um, and then, then I stuck on Planet of the Ude, which is a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've watched a couple of the old tenants. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'm a, uh, well, I've read the latest episode, the, the latest issue, sorry, of um, the fourth Doctor comic from Time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so issue number three was out last week, I believe. Um, so that's still going well. It's a good comic. It's still good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, other than that, just generally being awesome. Uh, yeah. Not really not uh, much else going on. I, I kept an eye on the auction, though. Did you watch that, the the auction that was happening? I, no, I didn't actually, no. Oh, no. I did. That, that was good? good. Yeah, well, it was you good. Could watch it li- you could watch it live. Well, no, no, you could um, you could see as the... the prices um, going up. Yeah, so you could see, oh. you know, um, man, some of that stuff. Realise you, you could watch it. Oh. We weren't kidding when mm. when we said that some of that's going to go for some serious money. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just literally no point in us bidding at all. <laughs> oh, really? on, on any of it yeah oh dear uh, i'm so trying to think because they did have some good stuff i bet that pinball machine went for a lot that, yeah I, I can't remember the exact uh mm. numbers that they went for but we're talking four figures at least right right for a lot of it so yeah it was um yeah some serious money but it was you com- just put the wallet away <laughs> yeah it was like let me just get my wallet out no it was going straight back in there we go <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that was cool um uh, yeah, there was, I was going to say, there was something I was going to, because I didn't mention this before we kicked off, but obviously it was your birthday last weekend, so happy belated birthday. Thank you very much. Last week. Uh, did you get any who good is, or did they just think, no, he's got it all, we won't risk it? Um, 
do you know what? I didn't get any Who stuff this year for my birthday. What? Outrageous. No, no I think uh, for that very reason. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, because um, my wife did say to me, um, uh, I'm struggling once again to think of something to get you for your birthday. Um, so is there anything you want? And she's like, anything Doctor Who, Star Wars, you want anything? I was like, eh, mm. kind of got everything I want really at the minute. Nothing yeah. really um, sort of looking out for particularly. She's like, okay, same as usual then. Um, but in the past, she has surprised me and she has got me some some cool little Who stuff. But no, nothing Who stuff this year. Um, right. Although we did end up in the Who shop again at the weekend. Yeah. Last weekend. Um, and we did nab a quick selfie, um, which was great. And um, funny little incident happened. Oh, go on. And it's not—it's not a bad thing. It's not one another one of those. Oh, crikey! Um, but when we were when I was having a, a, a mooch around, um, uh, the missus has found something—only something small she wanted to get. And as she was queuing up to to pay for it, somebody was in front of her. She knocked something over because they've got like a, <laughs> like a display. They got a display like in front of the till, which has got like pop funkos on it and key rings and all sorts. And yeah. uh, all I heard was this huge, like, explosion of product hitting the floor. Like, oh, no. And um, I didn't even have to walk around the corner. As soon as I heard it, I was like, that's my you, wife. You Not knew. Me. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and then literally within a second, she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm very sorry. So she's picked it all up. And she went, right, I'm just going to pay for this. I'm going to wait for you outside before I do any more damage. I'm like, that's all right. No problem. <laughs> and then the guy, there was a guy in front of me. And uh, she, and he was he was next to pay after me, and he did exactly the same thing because he had a backpack on and he turned round oh, to no. do something and he knocked everything off again, and the lady owner who I still can't remember the name for the life of me behind the counter says to her, "That's twice in a day. You should take a photo." Are you joking? Not joking. I what? <laughs> She very fl- it was very flippant, off the cuff remark. She's like, "Oh, that's twice now today. You should take a photo." I'm standing there, literally like four feet away, staring at her, like with that face, like really. And you were like, "Is she? Should I? Is she joking? Should I get? Oh no!" It was like, "Is she baiting me? Is she? Yeah, she's she... trying. It was a test. Yeah, does she want me to pull my phone out so she can bollock me again? Is it? Is it entrapment? It is. I'm not sure. Clearly. So it's yeah. another one of those funny little moments in the Who shop where. You know, I just looked around like, oh, is this really happening? Did I really just hear her say that? We've got so. to go there together. I tell you, because you've been quite a lot um, really recently and I, I haven't been for ages. It's just too far out. I just every time I, I, I mean, I love the shop, but yeah, every time I'm in central London, I'm like, oh, it must take at least, I don't know, probably an hour, 45 minutes of, to get there for central London. Is it? It's quite a. Maybe not that long. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll have to go together at some point. Yeah. But we've been sort of around that area just doing other things really. Um, And it's always a case of, well, if we're only like 10 minutes away, you know, may as well just swing in there, see if they've got anything cool. Uh, You Um, you chose the t-shirt department to take your selfie though. I was a little disappointed. I wanted to see a Dalek in the background, really. Yeah. You just working, you just sort of working your way up to it. You're going to next week, you go try and get a picture of, you know, perhaps a Cyberman helmet in the background or... Um, yeah, I have to sort of do this in stages. It's like baby yeah, steps, it, yeah. you know. I can't just go straight in with a Dalek selfie. And when you walk in the door, do you hear the Mission Impossible theme in your head? 
<laughs> I will play that on my phone though the next time I go in <laughs> and sort of go a Scooby Doo fashion, you know, against the walls, you know, trying to conceal myself. But, um, but no, I'm, I'm on the other side of the coin though. I really don't mean to put anybody off. This is not like um, no, you know, just... I'm, I'm telling you to steer clear of the place. It's a great little shop, as you know, we've both said many times. It's just I'm having this funny, ongoing, little sort of personal joke you know about this whole cameras and photos and selfie thing but i don't want to put anyone off if you want to go to the who shop it's a fantastic little place oh it is um, cool yeah did you so what did you actually buy what did you get um i didn't buy much oh i bought another book um one of the uh lethbridge stewart novels oh yeah uh, as i said i'm trying to collect them in actual physical book form now oh. um so i've got the latest one i think by sadie miller um it is the beast uh, of Moonblink. Oh, Moonblink. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got one more to get, and then I've got like the set in actual books. Um, yeah. So I picked that up. I've got another little, um, uh, another little toy. You know, my little ood that I picked up yes, before yeah. that's guarding my external hard drive on my desk. Um, I've got one of the little pyrovile figures as well. Oh, right. Uh, so he's a cool little thing, you know, from the Fires of Pompeii episode. Yeah. Um, so he's quite cool. And also, oh, no, I've got something else. What was it? Um, I got something else, and for the life of me, I can't remember. It wasn't anything big, but okay. I think it might have been a CD or something. So, yeah. Yeah, good Adventures, stuff. adventures in the Who Shop. I know. Um, so that's us. Unless you've got anything else to waffle on about? No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, I've just been just been listening to uh, listening to a lot of audio this week, but mainly. That's been my week. Yeah, it's been quite nice, actually, because um, whereas sometimes we struggle to find time to watch the episodes, maybe because other people... Uh, who will remain nameless at uh, hogging the television. Yeah. <laughs> the good thing about audio is I could just sneak off and listen to it on some headphones upstairs. Or it was slightly easier to to fit in <laughs> than uh, <laughs> yeah, because because yeah. sometimes I you know like when we're saying about reviewing um, a TV app, I'm like thinking yeah right okay I've got the house myself for a couple of hours on Monday I'll do that and it doesn't always work out. So sometimes you have to sort of fit it in with um, you know other people you might live with like you with your, with your wife and kids and stuff and. Yep. So yeah, this has been a little bit. This has been quite nice this week. I've just been able to plug in, <laughs> pretend I'm listening, and uh, and listen to it. So it's been quite cool. Yeah, indeedy. I echo Sounds that. Good. Done the yeah. same. Yeah. Uh, Shall we land this beast? Yeah, let's land it. And do some of the news. Quite light on news this week. Yeah. Um, literally not much has happened at all <laughs> in the world of Doctor Who. Um, so this auction that I mentioned earlier, mm. which is very fun to watch uh, the prices escalating out of sensible control. Um, you know, we mentioned the Dalek, the red one that was the um, from uh, the Daleks' invasion of Earth. The movie, the from, Cushion movie. The Cushion movie, the 66 yeah. movie. That went for a little bit of money. £38,000. Wow, 38000 No kidding. Wow. That's the kind of money that these things were, were attracting last week. That is a lot. Or this week. That's a lot of dosh. That's a lot of dosh, isn't it? Um, and I mean, uh, I'd love a Dalek, but I don't know that I'd stump up 38000 I mean, that you the person must have really, really wanted this one. 
Yes, mm. um, I think it, it was one of the it was one of the um, props that they were auctioning off that got pretty much most of the attention because it's um, mm. because it's so rare. You know, I mean, because you can probably find like full size Dalek props that have been used over the years. Yeah. Um, the other auctions will probably go for a third of that, you know, if not less. Whereas this one, I think because of the design of it is very slightly different to what you had in the main show mm. and it's complete and everything. And it's just because it's completely, you know, it is canon, isn't it? They are canon. Yeah, Daleks. I was going to say, I suppose, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I suppose a lot of the time with the auction ones, um, you might have got sort of one Dalek that's been put together from bits over the show, like because they used to go off to uh, exhibitions, didn't they? So they'd sort of make one good Dalek out of a load that would perhaps, you know, falling apart. So very often ones that are for sale are not like they've been seen in the, the TV show or whatever. Yeah. Um, whereas this one, yeah, it's, well, looking at the photo and that, and obviously they've authenticated it. Yeah. Um, looks pretty decent uh, condition. And yeah, we're assuming it's all the original bits and it hasn't been... Yeah tied it up but yep. uh yeah i mean the movie daleks are great they do have a like you said they 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 are bigger and they've got their big flashing lights and you know they were pretty decent in design i liked mm. what they did with them yeah, yeah they did it cool um so the whole the old the auction as a whole raised nearly a hundred grand wow. so it was just over ninety thousand pounds that everything went for i'm really surprised though that the you know the um the full size replica TARDIS that was used in the stage show. Yeah. Doctor Who. That only went for just under a grand. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. I thought that was one of the things that would go because again, that's a rare item. That's um that's the stage show is obviously something that wasn't around for too long, was it? No, not really, um, no. So that's like an original prop from Doctor Who that's rare, that's not, you know. I'm not saying that the TARDIS prop from the show is a dime a dozen. You can get them everywhere, but this is like a real proper classic one that, yeah, underground. Um, and there wouldn't have been many. I mean, they probably, I'm guessing, made one or maybe maybe two. I yeah. don't know. They wouldn't have made many for that show, would they? They'd no. just use the same prop, so yeah. quite rare. But, yeah, so Mr. Dalek in red. Quite fetching in red. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's pretty good. I guess say when, <clears throat> when we reviewed the uh, Victory of the Daleks the other week and we were saying about the colour scheme, um, something about the the cushion movie Daleks, they get away with being different colours. Like They actually look good, I think, like the gold and the black okay, yep. and the red. I think they, they work being different colours somehow. Yeah, well, they're more, they're not kind of, well, they're not in-your-face crazy colours like we had with mm. the Paradigm Daleks that we spoke about. Um, and they're also not, they haven't got that horrible shiny acrylic looking cheap plastic yeah i was just gonna say that i think you hit the nail on your head when you said about the plastic look i think yeah. that was what what was their downfall but yeah. yeah these look still pretty mechanical and metally and whoever's bought that you know great buy um, yeah. can we please borrow a fiver uh <laughs> to buy to buy something because uh yeah good buy but a lot of dosh a really funny message as well just before we end on this story from um the, the guy that was selling it uh, the previous owner um, his wife actually um, made a funny little comment when the Beeb uh, interviewed her um, and said, uh, there's no way that we can accommodate all these things. Uh, the last thing I want is a Dalek in my bedroom. She said, <laughs> everything had to go. We don't want any of it back. I'm locking my husband in a straitjacket in the garden shed so we can't <laughs> bid on any of it again. <laughs> again. Um, so that was she, the wife of the guy who's bought this? No, the wife of oh. the guy who's selling it. 
Oh, you're selling it. Yeah. Right. So oh, it's, no. It sounds like um, it's like one of those very typical couples where the other half just doesn't get it. Yeah. You know, it's like, why have you got all of this nerd crap, you know, cluttering, cluttering up, up my entire house? It has to go. So I think an element of this is like he was sort of half bullied into getting rid oh, of this. Oh, I feel sorry but, for him because I can totally relate to that story. Yeah. I think a lot My of us can. half goes yep. mad about the amount of clutter I've got. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel sorry for the guy who had to sell that. I bet he was really like, I bet he, you know, had sort of had a little moment with it on his own just before it went off to the auction truck. You know, just, it's been fun. It's been good. You yeah. know, I've, I've enjoyed uh, <laughs> riding around in you. Um, yeah. But it's time to say goodbye. If, if that was me, I would have been like, Yay! Because I've sold it for so much money, I've now bought two more full-size Daleks, <laughs> and they'll be yeah. in the bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> in each corner of the side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point, actually, because you can buy replica official replica Daleks. Yeah, um, yeah. and um, I th- oh, I can't remember the price now, but they're they're expensive, but they're nowhere near as expensive as this. You probably could buy two, uh, or maybe three. Yeah, for that price. yeah. Because yeah. right. I remember looking at it before thinking. That's quite reasonable, actually. You know, obviously it was a ridiculous amount of money. But I was thinking, that's not bad for a real Dalek. Yeah, I think it was like ten grand, maybe. I'm not sure, but yeah. yeah. There's, a, it's a, there's a couple of companies here in the UK that make them. That's right. And I think they they're around. That, yeah, somewhere between seven to ten grand or something like that. Yeah, or yeah. seven thousand. I can't remember now, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, in other news, um, Mark Gatiss. Or Gattis, as uh, has confirmed he's writing for Series 10. Um, I didn't exactly fall off my chair when I heard that. It wasn't really a surprise. He, has, he, has he written a story for every series so far? I think he has, I hasn't he? I think so. Yeah, he yes. always seems to yep. be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, the, the big thing with this is as soon as, as soon as he confirmed that, everyone was saying, oh, God, it's not, the, not going to be a sequel to Sleep No More, is it? Because... <laughs> Um, a lot of people in fandom will know this, that Stephen Moffat wants him to do that, wants him to continue that story. Um, but I, I get the feeling that Stephen Moffat is very much in the minority yeah, in wanting yeah. that from what I've, I've seen online. And certainly, I don't know, certainly from my own point of view, I'm not, I'm not too enamored to, towards the Sleep No More sequel. Although, I don't know, Gary, you tell me how you feel, but there is a tiny, tiny bit of me Although that story was dreadful, in my opinion, there is a tiny bit of me that would like to see it go full circle. A tiny bit. But what about you? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. That was one of the... Um, Sleep No More is is the lowest score that I gave any episode since we started the podcast. Yeah, it you, was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I gave it a one. Did uh, you give it a one? I gave it a one, yeah. What did I give it? 4.5. Oh, God, um, I was being generous. Yeah. Um, and I think if I remember back to that episode, episode 65 it was, um, I think I've actually said that I absolutely categorically hate that story with a passion. Mm. You know, I don't just dislike it. I think it's like one of the worst things that they've ever done yeah. in modern Who. It was just atrociously, terribly, unforgivably bad. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely not looking forward to a sequel of any kind. No. Um, and it kind of it feels a little bit like, you know, surely, you know, I'm talking about this is aimed at Stephen Moffat here, but surely you've had enough bad press and enough negative reviews and enough crap, you know, flung your way about this episode. You know, 
if it just for my ex- personal thing, I would leave it dead in the water. Yeah. If, if if Mark Gattis came to me and said, "Oh, I'm thinking about writing a sequel to Sleep No More," I'd be like, "You need to, uh, you need to get out of bed again, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go back to bed, erase that that thought, get out of bed with a new one." Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. Why would you revisit such an awful concept? I mean, it's not just it's not just the episode itself. Just the story and the characters were just oh, the characters um, were awful, just terrible and yeah. really badly written. And it was no substance at all. It was just all the porridge monsters. Yeah. Whoa. So you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they've had a, a couple of pints, and he said, "Look, you've really got to sort this out. It's a bit of a black mark on your name." Yeah. So do you want the opportunity to, you know, to make good on that, you know, big pile of brown stuff that you, you but even, I don't know, maybe that's, that's probably not how it went because Stephen Moffat must have liked it to put it into production in the first place. So it does, uh, it does. Yeah. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's a, yeah. I was going to say it wasn't a great episode. We both agreed at the time. Um, I'm certainly, I'm not really excited by it either of those prospects i i haven't really got anything against mark gattis um but it's just his episodes always fall so flat for me well pretty much all of them so i'm just kind of there's nothing against mark gattis but as soon as i heard that news it's just like can we please get some fresh blood on board because series 10 is already starting to sound a bit dull i you know i need something because we've also hmm. heard this week mention of the that, that uh, Clara might be making some sort of appearance. I'm thinking, oh, for goodness sake, you know, give me something fresh. Let's have some fresh writers, some fresh ideas instead of the same old, same old. So yeah. that was kind of my feeling on it. But yeah, I, what do you think of this Clara thing, by the way? Yeah, when I when I read that, I was like, well, I discounted it as just rubbish at first. Mm. But then I thought about it. I thought, if that is true, if Clara is, you know, that's just another... Um, that's just another example of why we desperately need um, a new showrunner to be on board. Because I think mm. as long as Moffat is still behind the wheel, we're going to have these recurring just pieces of rubbish, you know. Stale ideas. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, he, he just, he, he clung on, you know, to Clara for so long, mm. you know, and just wouldn't let it go. He, you know, she should have been gone, like, too serious before she was actually gone yeah. you know he should have just cut loose gone you know and that was it but he just has this attachment to just dragging stuff on for so bloody long so <laughs> if that is true if this clara thing is true it's a massive disappointment because you know she really 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 has to be gone yeah you know? why can't he let it go it's almost as if he's frightened to to move on isn't it it's a bit like when he brought matt smith back um, in deep breath for that end scene, which actually turned out to be all right, but but it was a bit like that. It's like he felt he needed Matt Smith in it to, yeah. you know, he couldn't let it stand on its own. And it feels a bit the same as this, as if he's worried that, you know, he can't let the series go on without having to mention or some sort of flashback to Clara. I yeah. mean, we don't know. It might be nothing. Maybe the Doctor's just going to hang a picture of her on the TARDIS wall and it'll just be that. <laughs> it could be anything. Yeah. We don't know. But, um, but yeah, let's hope it's... Uh, Let's hope he lets it go. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, um, I mean, RTD did this a little bit um, when he was showrunner because we had um, at the very end of the end of time part two, we had this thing where all of his characters sort of came full circle where he, yeah. went, he went back and saw Captain Jack and saw Rose and we saw Mickey and uh, Martha and stuff, you know, so he's, he did that. 
Um, but that was more lots sort of right at the very end of that sort of era of Russell T Davis. He didn't, mm. I mean, I know Rose came back for, um, what was it at the end of, uh, what was it for the whole turn left thing with Donna and. Yeah. And, See, but that worked really well. well. That was like, yeah, that was a cool little sort of insert, you know, to bring, yeah. you know, cause, um, Rose was a very popular companion. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure that there's, there are people at the BBC who have like specific jobs to measure like social engagement with the show and mm. what characters are registering well out in like the social landscape and what fans are picking up on and what they're liking and disliking. So, you know, there would have been a lot of feedback saying, you know, Rose is really popular if, you know, if you want to bring her back, you know, it's all good. But I'm pretty sure that people would have been saying to the moth, like, look, Clara, people were just are getting fed up. <laughs> yeah you know i understand that you want to do what you want to do and it's your show and stuff but you know just a bit of a you know heed a bit of caution here mm. we're getting like loads of bad stuff on social and everything just let her go and so, what's interesting is even people that like clara have said oh exactly she's done yeah. i mean I know, I know like um you know people who are really big fans of clara like some of the people who follow me on twitter they are you know even their twitter account names are, are clara based they are big clara fans mm. but even a lot of these people i see are saying look you know we love clara but her story is done and a lot of them feel it should have been done in face of raven which i i totally agree with i was, I was thinking the other day when they talked about this how how that would have been so good if they had just actually gone through with that ending mm. for her you know because i just love the bit where capaldi turns mean at the end and he's like you know over what's just happened i was just thinking that was just such a good and yeah sort of almost shocking send-off for a companion that we just don't get true yeah. you know you know it had to be rewritten and it was so predictable that it was rewritten it was just like yeah anyway anyways anyway so she might be back yeah. we don't <clears throat> she might be back she probably will be back if it's Stephen moffat Mm. anyway we'll keep you updated if we hear anything on that yeah um right that's news done uh before we crack on with our big finish review uh we've been talking to our friends at big finish and they've given us um uh, a really cool box set to give away as a comp so we're gonna do that yeah uh, the war doctor first box set only the monstrous which uh got really good reviews um, i really enjoyed it it's you've good. got this haven't you i have yeah really really liked it yeah yeah uh, is it a worthy box set to give away to a to a listener? Oh, it definitely is. I'll tell you. It's um, no, I, I genuinely uh, really really enjoyed listening to this from from start to finish. I, particularly the first story, I liked it. Um, I found John Hurt to be quite. Uh, I think I might have said this way back when when we were talking about. I, he's like encompass encompasses the 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 grumpiness of Hartnell, but still being likable. Yeah, and uh, he's very very touchy in the first story. But he's still really, really charming. I I loved it. I was sort of laughing and and uh, and enjoying it all the way through. Yeah, it's a good set. This one. Yeah, it's cool. So um, yes, we're going to give this away um, now. Uh, just to give you some terms and condition on this one. So uh, with Big Finish now, whenever they um, uh, supply stuff for competitions and stuff for their audio stuff, um, they no longer send out physical CDs and stuff to competition winners. So if you are the lucky listener to win this one, you need to have a Big Finish account. Or if you don't have one, you can set one up. And then what will happen is we'll speak to Big Finish, give them your details, and then they will just put this um, box set into your account. So then you can download it, listen to it on the app, on your phone, whatever you like. But it will be yours. You just won't get the physical copy. So it's the MP3 digital stuff. 
Yeah. So that's the that's the deal with that. Um, secondly, um, question for you to actually win this thing. So, um, in the fiftieth anniversary episode, um, when we very first see the War Doctor, uh, he takes a Gallifreyan rocket launcher, <laughs> laser fiery thingy, um, and he blasts some words into the into the wall. And um, what were those words? What were those words, Adam? I can see it now. I can see him blitzing, blitzing those words into the wall now. Yeah. Uh, yes. Obviously, no. don't tell me what those words no, are. No, I won't say it. Um, yes. Yeah, so what we need to do is just <laughs> jump onto Twitter or Facebook or email, take your pick, whatever you like, and just uh, give us your name um, and your answer. And we will pick out the winner next week. Yes. We'll, good luck with that. Yes, we'll do that next week. It's a good set. It's a good set indeed. Rightio. Um, let's crack on with our very first uh, big finish review. Adam, my good fellow, what are we reviewing this week? Well, Gary, this week we will be reviewing the 10th Doctor Adventures. You're talking, but it's all geek to me. Can we go? Yeah, I suppose. Then again, robots running amok. Donna! Hello there. Oh, a stranger. Oh, friend you haven't met yet. Who are you? I'm someone who unties girls from chairs. Donna Noble, enchanté. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. Goritania, you made that one. So, the Tenth Doctor's Adventures, I don't know about you, buddy, but... Um... I've, it, it's one thing reviewing, like, a Tenant episode that's been on TV... Um, but when you kind of know in the back of your mind that he's been away um, and not been involved in Doctor Who since the 50th uh, episode, um, just before we get into the details of each story, did you have that feeling when you were listening to it that it was like the last David episode was last week or yesterday on TV? I did. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I was going to say, without sort of going too much into it before we get to the stories, it really does have a... I think from the second that theme tune kicks in, and you said uh, recently how great the theme sounds, you know, the Tenth Doctor theme is just thumping. Um, and uh, yeah, as soon as that theme kicked in, and then and then uh, the Doctor and Donna explode mm-hmm. back onto audio, it is just like they've never been away in it. Um, yeah, real nostalgic buzz from this almost within the first few minutes. I was just yeah. sat there like, like, oh wow, you know, it's like going back in time almost. Yeah. Yeah, I totally got that because the very first um, sort of minute um, of audio from the first story, all it is is Donna really um, mm. having a having a chat with um, this person that this other temp. Um, she's in this building at the moment, this company's building, and um, it's not until sort of the last twenty seconds that David Tennant pops up, and they have this little bit of banter and stuff, and then. Like you say, the theme tune kicks in and, oh, God, just the biggest grin. Just mm. It was like I was like the Joker from Batman for like <laughs> five minutes while I was listening to it. Um, and as soon as that theme kicked in and then even when it finished and then, you you know, those two were back into it, it was like, wow. It's mm. um, We'll probably mention this later, but just the strength of the um, the you know, the energy and the chemistry between those two. Um, it's just plain to see that it doesn't matter what they're doing, audio, TV, whatever. It's just there. 
it's unmistakable and it yeah it's amazing so um it will it was a real big nostalgia hit for me um listening to the the theme tune as it kicked in and then yeah it was just like what well it was like you know when you listen to audio you create the images of what an episode might look like in your head mm. i don't know if you do that but when yeah, i yeah yeah totally you know, um it was clear to me that this was the whole thing was written very much in that that whole vein of what it was when they were on TV. Yes. So, um, yeah. so the three stories that this box set is made up of, each one is very, very much a typical uh, Dr. Donna story. Um, I don't know if you found that, like the way it was written yeah. and the story, it was like a sort of, it was a very, very fast-paced, uh, very shouty at times, very, very funny um, story. And I think it was written to reflect their times on TV. Yeah, no, I totally yeah. agree with that. I was going to say, it does slip in very nicely with the TV show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't feel like um, a different production at all, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, really good. You know, it doesn't feel like you're listening to uh, sort of somebody reading an audio book or anything like that. It really does fit nicely uh, in with the TV series, which is, you know, credit to Big Finish. I must admit, I, I, I kind of uh, sort of expected it to, in a way. I think Big Finish of have got such a high standard these days that you kind of almost just assume it's going to be good. But you should never do that because even, you know, there's always a chance that things might not turn out uh, how you expect. Um, but I kind of just thought, I suppose what I'm trying to say is I knew that we were in safe hands with Big Finish producing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't think they've let us down. I think they've produced a really good set here, um, which, yeah, fits really nicely in with the TV show. So It yeah. does, indeed. Um, right, so... Um, let's get into some details about each story. Uh, so there's yeah. three of them. It's a three-parter. Um, they're not linked together in any way. No, which is good. They're, yeah. they're all standalone, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, which is good, actually, yeah, because when this was very first announced, for some reason I thought it would be a like a Dark Eyes thing or Doom Coalition mm. where it was like a very long story. But yeah. no, it's three very nice little isolated um, stories um, directed by Nicholas Briggs. Mm. Um, written by Matt Fitton, uh, Jenny Colgan, and James Goss in that order for the episodes. Um, I can imagine Nick Briggs was so excited when uh, when they got the rights to do the Tenth Doctor adventure. <laughs> I just, I bet he was just couldn't you know because I I know he's wanted to do something like this for for a while. I bet he was so pleased when they got the rights to this. Yeah, yeah I bet he couldn't wait to get going. Yeah, well, it's interesting because. Um, uh, if you read um, when I got the the actual physical stuff through the post, um, and they pop in the Vortex magazine, which is their newsletter, yeah, um, they're actually saying that it took over a year to get David Tennant on board because he's such a busy guy. Um, well, yeah, because it because he's so busy, and then he a, a date would free up when he could do it, but then Catherine Tate wouldn't be available. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it was on the cards from sort of very early 20 well sort of mid 2015 i guess yeah um he said then they had to put stuff back because there was a leak about it and you know they didn't want to launch stuff around the leak so they put it around again and then mm. they rewrote some of the stuff so it was like i can imagine it being a really long build-up and just that because some of the other actors um tom baker and paul mcgann and stuff i imagine he still gets the same enjoyment out of making stories and producing stories for those guys but um to have somebody like david tennant 
who's been in Modern Who, and it's like their first big license for, you know, uh, for Who other than John Hurt from the modern stuff. Uh, it must have been a huge build-up, like you say. So, and to have that sort of ongoing, like you know, are we going to get him? Are we not going to get him? And probably from a writer's perspective as well, that's a lot of time to sort of overthink your story. A lot of pressure as well, isn't it? You're thinking, yeah. oh no, you know, because this no doubt will have brought quite a lot of new people on board to Big Finish, I would imagine. Um, and so, yeah, they sort of got to sort of pitch it right. I'm sort of thinking back to when RTD brought the show back. You know, they've got to sort of pitch it to bring new people and all yep. the sort of, uh, you know, regular listeners and, and people who watch on board as well. So mm. you've got to try and get a middle ground there. Um, so, yeah, probably, like you said, quite a lot of time to build up that pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but thankfully, I think they've, on the whole, got it right on this. Yeah, yeah and um, I totally agree with you. So Nick Briggs would have been just completely, mm-hmm. like, you know, to actually get them, the, the pair of them in the studio and then just to start that audio off and hear them doing their lines must have been, like, such an amazing feeling. Yeah. Um, so, right, sorry, let's go back to the story. So it's made up of three uh, individual stories, um, which is uh, Technophobia, uh, Time Reaver, and then Death and the Queen. That's it. So, and you can buy them all individually. Okay. Or yep. You can get them as the box set, like we've we've got with the extra two discs of like bonus stuff. Yes. Um, the behind the scenes is actually pretty good. It's really good. Yeah, I was going to come on to it sort of at the end, but it is. I I listened to it um, just just literally two days ago, and uh, it is really good fun actually. Really in depth as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So we might as well do it in order. So let's kick off with um with technophobia. Mm-hmm. And this is the one where it, it was sort of make or break for the Tenth Doctor coming back, because, um, like we said, um, I think we said before we started recording, most people would have got the box set. So I think so. Um, yeah. Unless you've gone, unless you've gone into the box set and missed this one out, so gone into like one of the other stories, ninety nine percent of people this will be their very first. Um, uh, David Tennant, Catherine Tate on audio for Big Finish, his first one. So for me, this was like the make or break one. This was, you know, if they didn't nail this and get it right from the off for the first one. So loads of pressure, like we were saying, on those guys to get the story right. And in terms of, of plot, it's a very, like we were saying earlier, it's a very, um, not predictable, but it, it was a very um, uh, expected kind of story for those two. Yeah, I think it's a very, I think they've made, purposely made the first story quite easy to follow, which is nice because I I found myself quite engaged in this because sometimes Big Finish, they do get a bit more um, complicated and it is easy if you're doing other things to sort of zone out and then wonder what's uh, going on, that sort of thing. But I think with Technophobia, it's a fairly straightforward story, um, quite simple as you say, but it does have quite a nice twist to it in a way. Uh, in terms of, because it's all about technology, isn't it? It's all yeah. about technology sort of taking over the human race. You think, oh, okay, that's pretty standard. But it actually turns out that um, really it's, uh, you know, there's more to it than that. So it does have a slight twist to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a nice, easy, I think it's, a, like you said, I think it's the a perfect story to start the set because it just is nice and easy to to follow, I think. Yeah, that's what I, one of the things that I thought about the most is it, it's a great, introduction to because um there could be uh, there could be a load of big finish listeners who for one reason or another might not watch much of the show 
on TV. So mm-hmm. this is their very first experience with with the Tenth Doctor. Um, so even if you're kind of new to Doctor Who, um, say if you just you know a friend last week recommended um, some audio stuff to you because you're really into audio, but you just haven't watched Doctor Who before, this is a really really good kind of setup story um, for those two characters because while it doesn't go into, it's not like a typical. Um, brand new thing where it has to spend loads of times on backstory and explaining yeah. who the doctor is and because let, let's face it this this stuff will cater for who fans who are very aware of what this is all about but even so just as an isolated audio adventure um it's a really good setup for the characters you understand immediately the relationship between the doctor and donna um, yes yeah it's traveler companion that's it um you immediately understand you know, that they know each other very well. They're very funny together and all that. So that's one of the things that I that I thought about a lot during while I was listening to this and afterwards. It was like, wow, that was a really, really good um, introduction to these two and to that sort of little pocket of Doctor Who. So even if you hadn't seen the show before, um, it's a really, really good sort of adventure. Yes, yeah, they, they yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. They they basically just jump straight into it, don't they? Just straight into this little adventure. That's yeah. I suppose you're right. Anybody could just listen to it. Don't necessarily need to know backstory, uh, although yeah. of Doctor Who. But chances are most people who are listening will. But but yeah, it's that straightforward. It's I think like you said, they've pitched it right to bring in new listeners that perhaps haven't listened to a Big Finish before. That mm-hmm. you know that like the Tenth Doctor and thought, oh. Okay, what's this then? There's a bit of a buzz. I'll give it a go. Um, I think this would have, you know, brought them in quite nicely, actually. Yeah, Matt Fitton's yeah. a good writer. I mean, he does a lot for Big Finish. So yeah. um, a bit like um, I was saying earlier, I think you sort of think you're in safe hands with him. I think when they thought, right, who should we, who should we get to do the first story? I think he's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Um, and the story in general is, is quite simplistic. There's a little bit of a twist, like you say, mm. but essentially there's a company who are kind of, um, I guess they're like like a, a Google or an Apple type of vibe because they're like this really massive technology-based company that is selling something called the M-Pad, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is basically a tablet like an iPad. Um, and they've developed this very advanced kind of uh, AI, if you like, where you can use your tablet with like voice commands and it talk- talks back to you and all that stuff. Um, so it's one of those sort of tech fear sort of cyberdyne terminator kind of stories where um you know if we're not careful then sort of ai will sort of take over the world but then like you say it has this twist where it's not really the ai is it that's that's the problem no it's you know because at first when i first listened to it i was like oh there's like this sort of menacing calculator somewhere that's <laughs> you know controlling you know starting to take control of all the computers and electronics and stuff um but it turns out it's the work of um, these these aliens, um, and what they're called um, cogn cogn uh, the aliens were called cogn cognoset cognosetes cognoset. I, yeah, something something, like I was going to say. Yeah, I didn't write it down actually, and I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. and something what it like. is? Yeah, so they're actually like sort of flipping people's minds around, aren't they? Where they're not sort of extracting people's minds and doing stuff to them like a Cyberman thing. They're actually taking away people's um, how they perceive technology and electronical things and making people really scared of them. Yeah. Um, so 
it's like a real sort of rev- it's not rev- is it kind of reverse psychology where well that's that's what I was trying to think it was along those lines yeah I was going to say it pretty much is that's what I kind of like about it you think it's one thing but actually it's sort of the opposite in a way yeah yeah and it's 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 like um we we live in a world today where technology is just everything and second nature um and we absolutely are not scared of it at all because we rely on it and you know we use it every day um so it kind of flips that on its head where instead of making the machines and the devices like the, the the villain or the monster, it reverses people's brains so that they get scared of everyday things like iPads and escalators and lifts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was a real, that was a real, that was, that's like a TV worthy idea right there. Mm, yeah. So, you know, um, like we've said, and we'll probably say many times um, that, the standard of the big finish writing and the ideas that they have in the stories um, are top notch. So that was one, that was the, like, that's like the overall kind of thing for this, for this particular story. Yeah. And like I said, it's a nice, simple idea, but one really simple. Yeah. It's sort of thing. Yeah. It's quite obvious, but it works really, really well um, in, in terms of, you know, how that, how they use it and the fact that, yeah, that everyone's like terrified. Like it sounds a bit comical when you say like, you know, to, scared of the tablet and that but it's, it's more about every basically technology just completely being used yeah. to sort of take over and and how would you deal with that you know if you think you think about now me and you sat down we are now both of us are we surrounded by technology to record this podcast so if you imagine that all turning in on us you know yeah. how would we deal with it so it's, it's kind of like that really which is yeah it's a good good little idea it is a great idea and um let's get into some of the character stuff so um I I thought the 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 doctor's um, sort of figuring out phase was really good because he can't he can't fathom what's what's going on early on, can he? No. So he he has this mo- he has this sort of period where it's very much detective mode, which is one of the great things about Doctor Who, where we have this sort of piecing together all of the puzzles mm. and stuff. Um, so the Doctor and Donna they have this um, this usual. Uh, banter between them and the support characters and um we'll come on to the doctor in a little while but one of the things i liked about donna in this particular story was that they had written her exactly the same as yep. in a tv show where because you know with with when you move over to certain mediums and they've big finish have done this with some of the older uh, classic doctors where um they try and change things up a bit and you know they need to keep it fresh for you know, keep stories going. So they try to take the characters off in slightly different directions. Maybe some characters have a bit of a darker side to them or, yeah. you know, they especially with people like um, like Colin Baker, like his Doctor can be very different in Big Finish than what it oh, was. Oh, yeah, and, and also Nyssa. I don't, well, yeah, there's a massive backstory with Nyssa in Big Finish, which is a million miles away from, you know, what's going on on the, on the TV series. So, yeah, yeah, they do tend to do that. But Yeah, with these two, though, it's exactly because Don has got this very strong independent still not taking any nonsense from the doctor mm-hmm. um and she teams up with this support character um i think her name was bex yeah uh, bex with an x bex with an x yeah um, which is so doctorish as well just even that little simple yeah. thing because the doctor keeps saying it as he's like oh it's bex with an x you know it's so 10th <laughs> doctor um really nice sort of little characterization that matt fitton has you know picked up on there yeah and it's good sort of chemistry and and banter with her as well because donna does this um 
she keeps coming back to this being a temp sort of thing and she's like temps yeah. united sort of thing um so donna's really strong independent she goes off with bex doesn't she because they're off to investigate she needs to take bex to see i think it's her grand or a, or, or a, her granddad to make sure they're okay but they sort of get trapped almost along becomes the donna's companion almost yeah almost yeah, it's like donna's yeah, right. little sort of protege she's like they like the fact they're both she likes the fact they're both temps doesn't she she's you know she's sort of got something in common with her yeah it, yeah they do have that very common ground don't they um and uh so in terms of the story the reason why they're able to go off and find out and stuff is because um these aliens have been using the devices over uh, a length of time exposing people to these sort of mind sort of mind uh manipulation and because the doctor and donna have just landed and this character bex has been on holiday for weeks and they've all just sort of come together. They haven't had this exposure. Um, and that's one of the things um, that was kind of scary about this episode because we saw like people screaming and running around and being absolutely like literally terrified of like their own phone or something mechanical that's moving. Um, so these two, they haven't had that exposure. So they were able to go off and that then unlocks another character, doesn't it? So we get to we get to hear... Um, the is it the Irish guy who works down on the tube stations? Is it Kevin uh, or am I thinking? Kevin, yes, I think it's Kevin. Yeah. Um, so we get into so we we start off with um, Donna and Bex. Then the Doctor jumps in. Then we get introduced to um, who's like the the CEO of this technology company. It's a lady, isn't it? Her name is. Is it Jill? Jill. Yep. Jill Meadows. Jill Meadows. Jill yep. Meadows. Yeah. So we get introduced to Jill, and then Donna and Bex go off. Then we get introduced to uh, Kevin. Um, so it's got a nice um, a nice progression to the story. As it moves along, we get introduced to different characters. Mm. Um, and it's not just sort of all at once. Like at the very start of the story, it's not like here's everybody and what's going on and then we're going to go off and do that. So it's nice as you get through the story that, you know, they move to a different place and they meet another character and this the other character that we see is um, is, is changing very much. Um, the Jill Meadows character, because she's meant yeah. to be this very strong, powerful businesswoman. And you she, don't know whether she's good or bad either, do you? She keeps sort of, you keep thinking you know. You're thinking, is she? Because she, she keeps saying she's this, that, and the other, doesn't she? Mm, yeah. And you're sort of thinking, yeah, but is she? It's, it's quite good. They get, there's a good guessing game going on with her for, for quite a bit of the story, where you're, not, you're just not sure. You, you can't, not sure if you can trust her 100%, I think. Yeah, that's uh, a good point, yeah, because yeah. she does have this kind of sinister. Um, edge yeah you don't know if um if she's the one behind um these uh devices turning people a bit nuts mm. or zombified as donna yeah. puts it um so yeah that's a good point that's that's pretty cool because a lot of the times what was that episode the the matt smith episode where he he shoots up the shard on a motorbike bella, bella st john uh yeah so that had that that had like, uh, the the woman CEO wasn't it? He was a bit shifty. Yeah. Um, so she reminded me of her. Oh that, yeah, I that character. That. Yeah. So you weren't sure. Yeah, you're right. You weren't really sure early on if she was behind it. But then we obviously find out that it's these aliens mm. um, who are actually doing it through devices. Um, so I really like the characters in this first sort of story. They didn't. Oh, they didn't overdo it. They didn't go in with like loads of characters, and the characters were quite likable as well. I really like Bex. Yeah. Um, and I recognise her voice as well. 
with the actress who played Bex. I recognise her. Um, well, so. the actress's name is Nikki Wardley. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't, must admit I didn't recognise recognise her, but she may well have been in in others or done something in Dot Two. But, but yeah, but yeah, she is so. good. I liked Bex with an X. I thought she started because I wasn't sure the first sort of few scenes. I was thinking, oh, is she a bit annoying? But I actually, really, really liked her by the end of it because um, I think because I liked the the interplay between her and and uh, Donna. Um, I really, really liked the character of Bex with an X. Um, yes, she's um, Catherine Tate's buddy. Uh, she was in the oh, Catherine yeah. Tate show a lot. That's right. I've just yes. remembered. Yeah, she says on the making of, doesn't she? Yeah, yes. yeah. of course. Um, so, yeah, um, she was really good. She had um, sort of a vulnerability to her, mm. which I liked. Um, and especially when there's there's a moment where her and Donna are, are going down into the underground. And it's, her, it's Bex's mind that first starts to sort of react to this exposure. Um and uh, she starts getting very afraid of going on the escalator, doesn't she? And That's it. Donna has to coax her on. And from that moment on, it's very, very... She's got like this inner strength, just like Donna. Because mm. um, even when she's getting interrogated by the aliens a little bit later on, she's still very vocal and, you know, assertive. But I really like the vulnerability where she's flipped from this very sort of strong, likeable character, just like like a previous version of Donna, if you like. Um to being like very, you know, she doesn't really know what's going on and it's starting to scare her and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but she sort of comes good in the end, doesn't she? She sort of resists like the interrogation by the aliens and so on. Um, and then they've, so we're going to talk about the aliens in a second, but she gets, they they get very angry with her. <laughs> they, they get sort of like, why isn't this human sort of reacting as the others and all that stuff. That's it. And at the end, she comes good when the doctor saves the day, obviously. Um, Bex is one of the characters that is, is, I mean, all the characters are saved from, you know, Kevin, you know, he doesn't die. Bex doesn't die. Mm. Um, so yeah, she has this really up and down sort of character arc, which is really good. Um, and, uh, so let's talk but, about the aliens, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, cause cast wise, it's a nice little cast ensemble, isn't it? It's like and a little it, band it, of. of good peeps, little characters. Yeah. yeah. So the cast is good. Uh, the aliens. Yeah. What do you reckon? We don't yeah. get to sort of, they, they're not, although they're there, they're very much in the background, aren't they? They're sort of an underlying threat rather than being quite prominent in the story. Yeah. Um, I Yeah. I thought, I mean, one thing I really did like about them, and which is the same with all three of these stories, actually, um, is that I really liked the voice acting and the effects that they used. Yeah. Um, for these aliens, they... I'm not sure whether we, whether I'd want to sort of hear more of them throughout the story, because um, I, th- I thought I thought that they cleared off relatively too quick. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, not not quite as quickly as the Daleks in Victory of the Daleks, but pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> pretty close, yeah. So yeah. that was yeah. the one thing uh, I've got that actually on notes. That was the one thing that I wish they'd have changed the ending slightly to be a bit more of a, a bit more of a battle there at the end. Yeah, it does. Does they do? It does get wrapped up pretty quick. That's yeah. true. So yeah. they did scarf up quite quick. But throughout mm. the story, I thought that having just the little, the little snippets of when they were in it was quite good. Yeah. Um. Maybe this would have been, you know, uh, if they'd have fleshed these characters out, the aliens, um, a little bit more. Um, maybe they could have made this into a two-parter or something like that, or had a, a longer mm. story to sort of, because we don't really know much about these at all, do we? 
No, not yeah. really. It's more about what they're doing. We don't really get to find out much about them themselves. Mm. No, true. But I think I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't have wanted this to be a two-part because I just like it as a a nice little short adventure. I think it's just it's the idea of it is just to kick off the set and and get you into it. Mm. So perhaps I wouldn't mind them perhaps coming back at some point. But I think yeah, I don't know. I think they work really well as a you know, in, in terms of just this great little one-off adventure sort of thing. Yeah. Um, because it's pretty well-paced, this, isn't it? It's a well-paced story. It doesn't... I didn't find myself zoning out much in this one at all. I was pretty much with it right the way through. So I thought the pacing was pretty good. Yeah, absolutely, man. I was um, uh, I was into it because I was keen to find out how uh, the Doctor was going to sort of flick this around. Like yeah. Like I said earlier, it takes him a little while to figure out what's going on and who's behind it and so on. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like a typical Doctor Who monster or an alien that you would see, um, they weren't amazing. No, no, um, there's nothing you know I mean? stand out about it. No. They were just fairly like your sort of everyday. If you had to describe Doctor Who to somebody in 10 seconds, like, oh, the Doctor turns up at a location with his companion and there's a monster of the week kind of story and then he saves the day yeah. and I go on to the next one it's it's like that sort of vibe isn't it yeah um totally and uh yeah so the name i knew i wrote it down somewhere uh it's the cognoscenti that's it yeah see i didn't write it down which i was regretting when you asked me earlier yes. yeah the cognoscenti that's yes. right um so i quite like the name quite yeah it's good, good. Uh, it's like a pretty it. good name um the only thing is uh, and i really like the voice acting with the aliens in this story Mm. Uh, like I did with all three of these, but um, I think some of the cast pretty much did it themselves, didn't they? Because I think on the making of there's one bit where they sort of have to talk to themselves. Yes, so they got to switch yep. between human and alien, which is quite good fun. I can't remember; it might be Bex. Uh, I can't remember who it is now. It might be all of them. I think they all just chip in and do the alien voices. Yeah. Yes, and but they obviously they shoved some effects on there afterwards. Oh yeah, and all that lot. Yeah. But it's it's really well done. It's not. Um, uh, Actually, there was a couple of times where I thought, oh, that's a little bit sort of theatre production there. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, just a couple of times. It was um, um, just a little bit like, you know, you're really sort of really putting on like you're an alien. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, right. And stuff. Mm. But that was for sort of very few and far between. But overall, um, quite like these guys. I just thought they disappeared too quick. And I'd like to see more of where they're from. No, a bit backstory. more about Yeah, because mm. this was just a very small band of this aliens, wasn't it? Of these aliens, because at one point in the story, they say, you're about to find out or you're about to witness, you know, a small band of cognoscenti fighters or whatever, yeah. you know, taking over your planet. And um, and there's a really funny scene, isn't there? Because they, the, the, they get onto, onto our planet via their hub ship. That's it, yeah. Which is like a displacement in time, or, or 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 sorry, not a displacement in time, a displacement in the transient dimensional thing. I can't remember the exact words that the doctor says, but he has a real laugh with them, doesn't he? So not very well done, is it? Look, you yeah. see the crack in the. So um, <laughs> so we get like little explanations about how they're here and you know how they've done things and so on. It was just it would have been nice to have to have known a bit more about them, basically. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So Aliens, pretty good. Um, perfectly suited for this because um, if we think about the bigger picture, this first story really needed to be about the Doctor and Donna. 
Yeah, you know, it they, just needed to be fun. Didn't it? it needs to be a good little story. Yeah, it didn't need to be a big mind melting thing where you had to overthink like oh i'm really having to struggle to keep up with the story and i don't have to think too much i just want to be entertained exactly yeah entertaining yeah yeah. um so that was all good supporting characters were really good um so we had bex we had kevin i'm sure there was another couple of people as well there was the guy that brian um, brian uh, brian and lucas who yes not in that much but yeah they're in it as well yeah they were like the service were they the engineers the the um brian and lucas they were or they were who who were they? They were the um the the guys that were like fixing things. Yeah, I was they, gonna say they're not they're not major characters, but yeah. You know, and they sort of helped the doctor a little bit um, yeah. throughout the story. They don't, they don't pop up much, like you say. Um but again, really good performances from those guys. Um so really, yeah, like we said, this first story really is about the doctor and, and Donna. So I'm assuming you're gonna say the same. Uh just amazing chemistry as always, really good humour between the two of them, really perfectly written, just like we said, straight out of the TV show. Absolutely. I think yeah. Matt Fitton does a great job of, of just capturing those little uh, mannerisms of both of them. And they both, yeah, they seem to they seem to just slip effortlessly back into the roles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just both really, really good in this. I think, um, I think perhaps Don't... Catherine Tate perhaps just slightly edges it's just that little bit more than David. He does by I think David by the third story is absolutely the doctor. And he definitely is in this one. But um but Catherine Tate just seems to just be perfect as Donna. It's like yeah. exactly like she was on TV. Um and David Tennant the same, you know, um, but perhaps perhaps Donna just slightly more. But yeah, both really, really great in this. And the the, the script is is really witty as well. They've got little nice little moments in there. Which mm-hmm. perfectly capture the you know the Doctor Donna relationship, um, yeah, they're both great in it. I think absolutely, you know, which is a relief because yep. you just sort of think you know how long is it since they they did this, and I don't know if they had a little warm up before or if they just you know how how hard it was to get back into it, but it seems like effortless, like they were never yeah. away. I think was the phrase you used, and that's how it feels. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a really good. Um, it's a really good. Um, indication and example of how um of how just a a fairly simplistic story um can be when you've just got really really good writing and characters mm. you know so it doesn't you know we've said this loads of times didn't we when we've reviewed um uh, certain tv stories and episodes that um the potential is there you know just maybe the writing let it down or you know, a certain character or whatever. Mm. But the thing that, and if you guys have not listened to any Big Finish before, um, that's one of the things that Big Finish is so good at. It's like consistently well-written, really just really good character stories mm. um, because they can't really do much in terms of, you know, in a TV episode, sometimes if you want to, um, you know, highlight a certain character's feeling, you can do that just via a facial expression or a certain look or something like that, or some body language. With audio, you've got, you haven't got that tool to do it. So the writing has to be spot on pretty much. Yeah. Cause, cause you have to sort of fill in the blanks, don't you? And that's yeah. all done within the writing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, that has to be described to you so that you can magic the scene in your head. You know, it's mm. up to you to envision how you think it would look. So the writing has got to be spot on with big finish because they haven't got all of that visual aid 
to do it. So, um, yeah, first story, technophobia, brilliant. I think, yeah, yeah. for an introduction to, to the Tenth Doctor Adventures on, on Big Finish, I think this one totally hits the mark, does yeah. does what it needs to do. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm, are we going to score these? I'm Because I have written a score for each. Okay. Yeah, we can score each one and we'll give okay. it like an overall average at the end or something. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this was um, 8.5. <laughs> Bang on. Oh, really? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I put, 8.5. Yeah, really, really enjoyed this one. Okay, cool. Uh, next one, Time Reaver. Time Reaver. Hmm. Time Reaver. Hmm. So um, the kind of general idea with this one was um, the they, they land on a planet... Um, called uh, i think it's vicintia vicintia yeah um but they happen to be in a city or a place called calibris um which i think is where the bulk of the story takes place um so what's happening is the the people on this planet i think the planet is like slowly eroding away or is being destroyed or something it's, yeah um, there's like a supernova yeah it's kind of, it's kind of doomed yeah. yeah that's right um and um when the Doctor and Donna arrive, um, they sort of very quickly get caught up in this kind of illegal sort of weapons racketeering. Um, because, um, and the whole the sort of the, the basis for the title of the story, the Time Reaver, initially before I listened to it, I thought Time Reaver was a character. Same, yeah. Um, which is quite clever from Big Finish. Um, but it turns out Time Reaver is a weapon. And what it does is when you get shot or if you get sort of... Um, caught in the blast of one of these time reaver bombs um to the outside world you know time is moving as it normally does but for you time moves like incredibly slowly so what you would normally do in five minutes might take you a year it's a or, again another great idea isn't what, it that how so it cool is that it captures yeah. a moment and basically drags it out forever so you're like yeah it basically sort of makes you in a sense just like closed down doesn't it yeah it's as if you've been put on pause and then slow motion everything's slowed but every, everyone else is perfectly normal so it's just you yeah. and that's a really weird idea i mean the other thing that's good is they say you can use this weapon to also capture it could be used for good and bad so you can also capture a nice moment that's right and make it yeah. last forever and i thought wow that's just such a simple brilliant idea i really liked that yeah, and but it's, obviously um, it's used mainly for bad. Mainly for bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, cracking idea. So these weapons are being um, sort of bought and sold on this kind of like um, sort of black market, I guess. Yeah, like smugglers and gangs, you know, after them and stuff. Um, and so there's um, a character called Cora. Cora, yeah, yeah. She's like um, she comes across a sort of little Miss Innocent throughout the bulk of the story but then we find out later on that she's the one that's been sort of supplying these time reaver weapons and so on um, yeah. and i think um if i remember correctly because i've only listened to this one once um if i remember correctly um she was doing it for a reason connected with her father her father was quite an important figure on the planet and yeah. she was doing it because she just wanted to make some extra money or something you know and she didn't see it as like a, a terrible a terrible thing you know. She's not a bad person. Yeah, no. I guess so. she's what she's doing is a bit unethical, but she's sort of at the heart of it doing it for the right right reason, yeah. Yeah, I think she just wants to make her father's life, you know, 
more comfortable for the last time that they're going to spend mm-hmm. on this planet sort of thing or something like that. Yeah. Um, so she's not a bad guy. She's not a villain, but she just sort of gets swept up in this sort of illegal weapon selling and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the main sort of villain, if you like, um, is the character that you would see on the front of the box set. So if you've picked up <laughs> the, uh, the, the box set, so not the individual cover for this particular story, but the, you know, the one that we got that we've seen for the last six months or whatever, it's like the octopusy looking yeah. alien thing. Um, it's very prominent on the cover. Is it? We were saying he looked like, uh, what, what is that thing that we said he looked like? Um, that old fashioned monster. You you remembered last time I was like, oh remember. yes, um, what's it called? The uh, there's an old black and white creature film. from the Black Lagoon. That's it. Yeah, yeah, it looks a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just with more suckers and tentacles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's if if you can cast your minds to the front, uh, the cover for the box set. It, that's the alien that's in this story, um, and he's called Gully, isn't he? Yep. Gully, yeah. Gully. So yeah, I was wondering who was doing the voice for it. Yeah, it's just, so John Banks, because um, I have to say I found the voice quite irritating on this monster. Uh, it really it gr- it grinded on me after a while. Um, I was it's weird because I knew that Terry Malloy was in it, and so just stupidly I naturally assumed he was going to be the bad guy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's not. He's actually playing Cora's dad, uh, Roan. Um, so yeah, so when I was first listening to this, I've listened to it twice, and. Um, I kept thinking, you know, the first time I was thinking, is that Malloy doing that? Because I don't know, it's very treated, but it's also mm. a bit, oh, I don't know, it didn't, didn't quite work for me, the alien voice in this. I found it a bit annoying, to be, to be honest. I, 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 I was the opposite to you. I thought it was really good. Oh, really? Yeah, because okay. it had shades of like, if you guys have ever seen the old, um, uh, the old Stephen King movie, It. Oh, yeah. With uh, Pennywise the Clown. It <laughs> reminded me a lot of him. Pennywise, yeah, oh, like yeah. like the voice and the especially um, uh, towards one of the at the end of one of the segments in the story. Um, there's a bit where he's like, I like I can't even do the voice properly. He's like, I want those weapons. I want them all. <laughs> and he's and it just reminds me so much of Pennywise the clown from oh, it. But, okay. um, but I really enjoyed that. That no, um, I found that, it a bit about theatre, but really? you know you were saying earlier about Alien Voice Music. Yeah, I found this one a bit too. I don't know. I, I must admit, I I struggled with this story a little bit. Out of the three, this is the one I did. This is the reason I listened to it twice actually, because I did the first time zone out loads on this. Um, I, I must admit, I got to the end of it on the first listen, and I really hadn't got a clue what uh, what really had, had happened. I sort right. of got the gist of it, obviously, but but I hadn't really sort of. Um, Whereas with Technophobia, I'd sort of really got into it and, and, and you know, liked it. This one I struggled with on a first list and I just didn't, my mind just kept wandering. It wasn't, I didn't right. find it as engaging. Um, I did I did like it more on a second list and I have to say, um, I got into it a bit more. But, I yeah, it wasn't, I don't know, it didn't quite sit as well with me. I, I don't know if it's just because I enjoyed Technophobia so much that this one didn't quite live up to it, if you know what I mean. It didn't sort of have to follow on from that and it didn't quite do that for me but um, okay. but yeah I still enjoyed it but one thing I just yeah I just I don't know the alien voice just started to grate on me after a while I just <laughs> if I was Dodd I would have just been like oh shut up you know what I mean I just was like yeah it just wasn't quite working for me in that sense oh, okay no region um, so we're not going to talk about the Doctor and Donna too much in detail on these other two stories because they're fairly uh, consistent throughout 
Yeah. Um, we'll speak out a few things, but we're not going to, you know. Um, so, so Gully is the sort of gang leader, isn't he? He sort of runs this gang of, of, of other aliens on this planet. Yeah. And, um, uh, he's, yeah, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a bad dude, isn't he? He's like, um, mm-hmm. if you can imagine, um, cause they, there's a scene where, um, cause we get introduced to Gully, um, before this, but there's a scene where the, the doctor really wants to go to, um, this, this place. I think it's called Vagabond's Reach. That's, that's that's right, yeah. Because right? Donna wants to go to the planet of the boys. That's right, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, for goodness' sake, yeah. Yeah, so he wants to go to this place called Vagabond's Reach, and to me, in my mind, that conjured up like a cantina scene from Star Wars, mm. or something like um, uh, if you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, they go to this place where it's just full of bad people, you know, lots of dodgy Low deals life. going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's that I conjured up that kind of place. Um, where they're going to find this guy. Um, and I think the reason why I mention it is because this, this guy, Gully, he really doesn't take any nonsense from anyone, even the doctor. Because even when they go in there, because as soon as they arrive, there's like a punch up and there's people getting thrown around. Um, there's a there's a bit, like literally straight away, where it's just action straight away, where, the, where Gully's like, you know, not talking, not having any messing around. Guys, sort them out. Um and that's kind of you, you. You rarely you rarely hear about that in in Doctor Who stories because normally, um, when the 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 villain and, and the Doctor first meet, there's like this sort of um, sort of vocal build up between the two of them. You have the Doctor mm-hmm. trying to suss out what's going on. You have the alien who's like this got this James Bondness about him, where he's got like his evil master plan, and he's obviously not going to tell the Doctor. But there's like conversations going on. But in this, it's just pretty much a, it's like an action movie. Yeah. For a lot of it. I, yeah, I know what you mean. I guess say I, the other thing um, that I did write down uh, was I did find it quite shouty. <laughs> like you said, there's a lot of action mm-hmm. going on, but the Doctor and Donna um, are quite shouty in this. I think, remember when we heard the trailer, um, people were saying, oh God, they're not like that all the way through. Um, and right. I, thankfully they're not. But I think in this story, they're the most sort of shouty Doctor Donna that, that we get. Um, but a lot of that is because, like you said, it is. There's quite a lot going on in terms of action. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of agree with that, and I think, um, we had said about that before this box set came out. We said like, is it going to be, you know, very shouty, like in typical Tenth Doctor and Donna fashion? And I think out of the three stories, this is the one that's probably, you know, the most like that. Would you say? Definitely, without yeah. doubt. Yeah, yeah I also just noticed. I put a note saying that the alien sounds a bit like Sill with a cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good yeah, point. It did yeah. have a little yeah. bit of Sill to to the voice, didn't it? Yeah. No, I read you. Yeah, that's mm. a good point. Um, so, anyways, uh, the main story revolved pretty much around uh, Gully has got these Time Reaver weapons that he's bought from Cora, um, and is now just playing Mister Bad Dude, the Doctor and Donna. Um, they can see harmless people obviously getting affected by these time weaver weapons. So they're trying to go after Gully to stop him. And then we just have this little backstory or side story, if you like, about Cora and her dad and the reason why. That's it. And that sort of thing. So um, in terms of support characters, um, I well, this is going to sound really weird, but I didn't realise that um, uh, Terry Malloy was playing the character Roan. Well, no, uh, it doesn't sound weird because I, as I said, I didn't realise until 
uh, until the second listen. I like as I said, yeah. I just assumed he was the bad guy and that they treated his voice. And uh, but no, I didn't realise until after either. Yeah, um, and I and I also didn't realise that Dan Starkey was playing Dawn. Yeah, because he's doing a bit of a governor voice, isn't he? Because yeah. he's like a mechanic. But do you know what? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing, though. Yeah. Because that's that's like really good voice acting where you can put on a character consistently throughout the entire story. Mm. And then at the end, you're like, wow, that was Terry Malloy. Or that was Dan Starkey. Yeah. Um, so that's probably one thing to sort of bear in mind. If you've seen like the casting list for this and you think, wow, I'm really looking forward to to Dan Starkey because I really like Strax and you know how he sounds and Terry Malloy's cool you won't you won't get it you no, won't get not, that no no <laughs> um, so casting wise really good I really like Cora she's had this real sort of innocent she was almost like um, she was almost like a, not a companion but she was almost like a, a sort of character that you could see the doctor wanting to to, to help out and sort yeah, of yeah there know. is a bit of a companion thing going on in this set isn't there I think. He yeah, did. she is a, get a little bit of bit of companion like. Yeah, cuz I'm thinking in the next story we he kind of gets a, a a bit of a companion as well. So there's a bit of a running theme going on there, I think. Yeah, maybe unintentionally, but mm. yeah, but yeah, Cora's good. I like like her. Uh, Sabrina Bartlett um played the part of Cora. Uh, does a good job. Uh, once again, it's quite a small cast uh, ensemble. Um but they're all yeah, they all they all gel pretty well, I think. Yeah. yeah. And Soren um which is Cora's dad. Um, really sort of nice. Um, isn't uh, no, isn't Terry Malloy a dad? Oh, sorry, no, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry, R- R- Roan, uh, Roan is her dad. Sorry, really nice chemistry between those two. Mm. Um, there, there is a scene later on in the story which I'm not going to talk about, which is quite emotional. Um, yeah, it's quite a, you know, it's, it's, again, just another great example of really well written story because the pace slows down to a, a, a really nice lever around this point in the story because it is a very action-paced fast-paced story this one it does go quite quick um, and also at the end i don't know if you found this there was a point where i thought it had kind of wrapped up yes and then it carries on and sort of you know i thought we were you like you said it sort of winds down and i thought oh okay yeah that's that's the end and then it there's like another sort of bit yeah um, and also we got the impending doom of the supernova so we assumed that although things obviously the doctor you know, manages to save the day, if you like, but we also get the feeling that he doesn't meddle with time because although we don't get to sort of hear it, see it, whatever, mm-hmm. we just assume that after he's left, they all get obliterated by the supernova as they were supposed to. So he doesn't, you yes. know, yeah. he doesn't sort of change things. But, um, yeah, which is quite, you know, sort of another layer to the story, if you like, I suppose, which is good. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a sort of, um, a sort of bittersweet um, victory for the Doctor in this one. Um, because, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe without going into too much detail. And we did say that we would sort of talk about the stories in general, but we wouldn't go into like really big detail or anything that would be, you know, a big spoiler for the story. But, um, uh, but the end, I mean, obviously we can talk about the, the monster at the end because I want to talk about the death scene for the monster at the end. Yeah. Um, because as we know, the doctor's going to save the day. So we know the doctor, the monster's going to go. Um, so we're not spoiling anything there. But um, because of the nature of these weapons, these time reaver weapons, like we said earlier, um, when you get shot by one or whatever, time slows down massively for you. And the the death scene for Gully at the end is quite horrific. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you can imagine um, 
standing in a standing up a uh, sorry you've climbed up a ladder and then below you um there's a fire broke out or uh, it's broken out or a bomb's gone off and below you within a split second you can see flames heading your way if you can imagine that in like super super slow motion mm. so you know you're going to die because you can't move your body because your time has slowed down so much so um all you can do is sort of watch as flames engulf your body and kind of you know kill you in slow motion um and i thought yeah. i thought it was absolutely brilliant um that the 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 whole nature of what this story was about you know these really awful weapons that the doctor was very very insistent on you know confiscating or destroying and sorting out because mm. i think he said they'd been made illegal across pretty much every galaxy and system and stuff um so they're really quite horrific things and um because like i said earlier this bad guy gully is very ruthless and no messing around it was kind of good in the end to see him you know almost suffer in that way i know that sounds very sort of, well you mean get his comeuppance his comeuppance because yeah. it is a horrific yeah I it is. Say, if you if you really think about it yeah um, it's a horrific death but um but he's a bad bad guy he's a bad but, man. Yeah, yeah, but yeah i do do think so yeah it's quite yeah. A, quite a thought isn't it? Yeah. and um what do you think to just very quickly the doctor and dawn in this one as good as the first story? Is no, no, I don't. No. I, I mean, I, I still think they're really good. Sorry, don't get me wrong. They are still really good, but yeah, a little bit too shouty. Um, but again, down to the script, not really them. They're still give, uh, giving a really great performance. So yeah. yeah, I didn't enjoy them as much as in Technophobe because um, they got a bit more room to breathe, whereas this, they're very much on the go and it's all kicking off. But, uh, but yeah, still really, really good. Don't get me wrong, but I preferred them in the first story. Yeah, yeah I, th I kind of felt that. I thought that, I thought that the actual story, the execution of the story and all that stuff was on par with the first one. It was very well done. Um, but just the doc, like the, it didn't feel like they were um, as sort of in control as they were in the first story. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But a, a really classic little end in line from the Doctor, which is very Russell T. Davis at the very end, where he's like, Eternity, I hear you calling, but you will not have me yet. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And he says it in such a great, typical David Tennant way as well. Yeah. Um, cracking it all line at the end there. Um, yeah, so uh, Time Reaver, what are you giving this one? Uh, your turn to go first. Uh, 7.5. Okay, slightly lower, 7 for me. 7. seven right. Yeah. I must admit, uh, it benefits from a second listen. I think on first listen, um, I actually wrote 5 out of 10. Uh, oh, really? when I was making my notes, yeah, I wrote five out of ten. I didn't get it at all. Um, so I'm glad I gave it another listen because it definitely did benefit from a second listen. Um, oh, so okay. it went up by two points. So yeah, I get a ten, yeah. seven out of ten for me. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, cool, right. Lastly, we're going to talk about the third story, which is Death and the Queen. Death and the Queen. Now, yeah. I think this is the one that's most likely to divide opinion with people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, okay. What do you think? So, Death and a Queen. Um, uh, I found this one the least enjoyable for me. I had a three. feeling you would. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong. When I say least enjoyable, I still loved it. So, oh. when we're talking about least enjoyable, I'm talking about, you know, you know, in comparison to, like, technophobia or the other ones. Mm. Um, so, when I say least enjoyable, it's not like I hated it. Um, I just, out of the three... This was like the third one in the pecking order for me. Um, 
And the reason for that, I still think it was a really good story. Um, I found it a really good story. I just felt that this was the most predictable out of the three mm. in terms of the story. This is the one that I thought, right, well, I can I can kind of guess what's going to happen here um, because um, for the for sort of the last half or the last third of the story, it's about Donna's going to be sacrificed. Yeah. And because we know that Donna wouldn't die, there's no way that they're going to kill off Donna. You know, you knew fairly early on that that's not going to happen. So I was just more interested to see, you know, how they would get around it. Um, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, I must admit I had similar thoughts because yeah, the ending does uh, very much um, is the crux of that is, you know, Donna's fate and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember thinking the same thing. Well, obviously she's not going to die. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. But um, in terms of story-wise though, it's very much Donna central, isn't it? She's very much central to this story. Yes. Um, very so- much a Donna story. And it's, um, this one is probably the most contained of the three. Um, this, yeah. this one happens all in the same place pretty much. Um, so very, very briefly, um, the title of this story, Death and the Queen, as you can probably guess by now, Donna is the Queen. It's a nice little intro story. Though, for the credits. <laughs> like, I demand to speak to the Queen. And then it's Donna like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Donna's the Queen um, and she's betrothed uh, to marry um, Rudolph. Rudolph. <laughs> Rudolph. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that Rudolph um, has genuine feelings for Donna. Um, although initially um, it was a case of, uh, yes, I'll marry her because we need to make a sacrifice. Yeah. Um, so it's about this um, small, is it a small country or is it a small part of a country or something? Um, let's go with colony. colony. <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay. No, I'm not sure. But I know what you mean. Yeah, this little. Yeah. And essentially over the centuries or millennia or whatever, there has been these um, aliens who have sort of masked themselves as the character of death. And he turns up every so often and says, you know, I require a soul. So they have to sacrifice somebody. Yeah. Um, so this guy Rudolph um, actually gets genuine feelings for Donna, but his mother um, is very much like, uh, you know, very very dis- much disliked Donna, and is more than happy mm-hmm. to serve her up as the sacrifice. That's um, it. And then, as the doctor's kind of sidelined, as you say, it's a very Donna sort of focused story. Um, the doctor is very much just on the sidelines, jumping in now and then, figuring out what's going on gets it wrong at the end to begin with yeah very much gets it wrong which is very very funny um but then yeah all is well in the end it's a slightly doctor light episode isn't slightly. it slightly yeah it's slightly i guess say but it is great when when he does turn up because i i must admit i really enjoyed this one but i know it's going to be one that because it's a bit it's a bit lightweight mm-hmm. this story so i think some people will just find it a bit um bit too cheesy maybe but uh, but i i don't know i found the script really funny um and i loved i, I just thought donna uh Catherine tate was just fantastic in it yeah um i just was really finding it an enjoyable listen um uh, yeah i guess I, it's, it's quite a light story in compared to the other ones but i i i loved it i have to say i and when david Tennant is in it you know the, the, the script is really good the, the lines he delivers and the way he delivers them with Catherine Tate mm-hmm. um, I think what actually yeah what, what what I did enjoy about this the most is just the chemistry between the two of them is just bang on in this story oh yeah even even yeah. though the story is quite light I think just the way it's written 
is just so funny. I really did enjoy it. I don't think it's the best story, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of the storyline, but but I just found it a really enjoyable listen because because of the what was going on between the Doctor and Donna. Uh, just I just loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that was the like the divide point for me, if you like, because yeah. um, just like you, I absolutely loved the Doctor and Donna in this one. Yeah, um, even though they're not in it all the time together, when the Doctor does come into it, it's. I would say this is the funniest one as well. Definitely. Yep. I was really, yeah, because I was really sort of smiling while listening to this. I just, um, it's James Goss, isn't it, right? I just had to remind myself. Yes. Yeah, I just thought he gets a real sort of sparkling little script. Um, and it has got, it's sort of, it has got more layers to it than you might first think. Because yeah. um, as yeah. I say, at first it seems a very much um, play-by-number story. Mm-hmm. But then it does have a bit more layer to it. Like it gets quite... Um, quite serious at the end you know when Do- donna decides to sacrifice herself to save all the people and the guy's like well you know either you sacrifice yourself or all these people are going to die and you know there's a bit more to it yeah um yeah. by by the end of the story but 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 yeah yeah just overall i just found it really enjoyable listen i do think it's one a bit like we were saying earlier with unicorn and the wasp i do think it's one you sort of need to be in the mood for because I think it yes. just, yep. it was perfectly in the mood, you know, it's just perfect for when I listen to it. Um, but it's not one I would necessarily think I would listen to over and over again, like perhaps Technophobe, which I really, really enjoyed. I'd happily go back and listen to this. This would be one I'd put on when I wanted to yeah. have something a bit fun, a bit, you know, not too taxing on the brain, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, to- I totally agree, mate. Um, yeah. And for me, it was one of those um, stories where I wasn't, sort of too fussed by the story mm. um it was good don't get me wrong it was a good story and i really liked how the voice acting um for the character of death um i thought that was really really good yes um, i'll agree with that one yeah i liked this this voice yeah. yeah um but it was more for me um i mean if the story was stronger then this would have probably been like a really high up there 9.5 mm. sort of 10 story because donna's so good in it and the doctor's so good, and yeah. I'm not sure how um, where they went with this in terms of order of recording, whether they did it in order, so they recorded technophobia first and so on. But I, I, I get an inkling that they did because by this point, this third story, they were literally cooking on gas. It was like they're flowing, aren't they? Yes, Just completely flowing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So this is the one if you're really, really into like just strong character stories with the doctor and his companions and you really like the doctor donna sort of very funny sort of um not really insulting each other but very sort of light-heartedly throwing little digs at each other and mm-hmm. um really just sort of getting into it They're like the the real good episodes that you know and love that they were in in the tv show this is that very much encapsulated into yeah. this audio story it's so good between them um, but just for me, I just wished that the story, I don't know, I, I can't really complain too much because this is their first outing, you know, so they had to, you know, for, it, I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of three for three over the, the three stories, but, um, I just wished that this third story was just a wee bit stronger, you know, and just had a bit more sort of substance to it maybe. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, even though, even though we knew Donna wasn't going to die at the end, I still like because I, I was still thinking, but how is she actually going to get out of this? Mm. So even though I knew that, you know, it's still it's still strong enough in terms of that, you know, like it's not 
predictable but obviously you're thinking well she's not going to die yeah. um but there's, there's a thing about the flags isn't there um the oh yeah the um, that the sort of deaf um can't handle the the sign of the you, of the what do you call it emblem sign yeah, yeah yeah which is quite quite a good little sort of makes you think of like a crucifix to a to a vampire that sort of thing it's like to death it's the big no-no isn't it which is yeah i like that little element to it yeah um and it's it's kind of it's good that the doctor sort of debunks this whole death sort of idea yeah. as well because um he sort of sees immediately through it and um it's there they're called methostoles methostoles <laughs> uh, these aliens which is quite a cool name um and he sees right through it and he you know he's piecing it together and one of the things that uh, i really did like about this story actually was it wasn't it wasn't a typical build-up where we have the initial intro to the story then we go through the middle act and it's all sort of things are happening building up and then the end act it's the doctor saving the day and off they go it, we had this thing where the doctor goes into it and he's like you know donna this is not about you he's come for me you know yeah. there's nothing to do with you very sorry and it, it's even then it's like really funny because he's like you know he's got um, it wrong you know shut up if you can you know all that stuff it's all about me and then it's like well no you know we do actually want her <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> so the doctor has this really big sort of grand you know i'm gonna save the day don't worry about it just go <laughs> he's after me and then it just sort of collapses and it's like oh Oh, crap. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's really good. That's a really, I found that a real sort of refreshing change, if you like, mm. rather than a doctor sort of talking his way through the plan and saving things, and all, you know, which is good. But this was a nice little, a nice little way of doing it. Um, and it, it does, again, sort of highlight the companion's importance yeah. uh, within it because, um, but what it doesn't do, which I really like about Big Finish, is that even though it highlights how important the companions are, it doesn't put them above the doctor, mm. um, which the TV show does a lot, especially with Clara. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes with Amy where, you know, it's, it's, you know, at times it becomes the Amy show or the Clara show. Yeah. And, you know, it's not about, so big finish though, they sort of keep the reins on the companion, even though they highlight, um, you know, some really good things about the companion and their importance and so on. It's always about the doctor still. At, yep. the, at the top of the pile sort of thing yeah so that's really good that. um so in terms of like story and stuff like that it does move along fairly okay it's not as quick and paced as action-packed as the first two um mm. it has a quite a good big action scene where the don is having a big ruck with rudolph because he's about <laughs> to send all of his army out to get slaughtered basically yeah that's right yeah. she doesn't want it and they're having a little ruck but it happens anyway so that's a you know pretty good action scene between death and these soldiers and so on which is quite good but the majority of the story is very very dialogue based between uh the do uh the doctor uh donna and rudolph sort of those three yeah um, we get them we get rudolph's mum chipping in like the queen mum uh they're, they're quite funny scenes as well because she obviously hates Catherine tate and can't wait for it to uh, donna sorry and can't wait for it to be sacrificed really yeah um, so there's, yeah. there's some quite nice scenes um between them between the Queen, Mum and Donna. Yeah, and we also have, um, like, uh, Donna's sort of maidens, uh, sort of servants that she calls them. Um, they play a sort of keen sort of role towards the end 
Yeah, and ones. again, one of them becomes a sort of almost companion to the Doctor because he's Donna, Doctor the Donna aren't together that much in this story, are no. they? So he no. sort of is it? Um, yeah, is it the Beth Chambers character? I'm Beth not Chambers, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she sort of um, yeah, she becomes a bit of a companion for the Doctor in a way in this one, which is good. Yeah, and we've seen that in all three episodes. One of one mm. of the supporting characters in each three of these stories um, does take on sort of a secondary companion or sort of mini companion role yeah which is quite good good. yeah um and yeah so obviously the doctor gets it completely wrong at the end but then uh donna donna sort of saves the day i would say in this one she's pretty heroic in this i think because she's she's willing to sacrifice herself yeah she's sort of she's ready to to throw down um and sort it out without the aid of the doctor Mm. Um, and he's very worried that she's going to do it as well. You know, towards the end, he's like, because mm. he has quite a, he has quite a ruck, doesn't he, with the Queen Mum? Yeah, that's funny. Towards the end, because he's yeah. really miffed. Because that's one of the things that again was quite refreshing about this one. Because throughout the entire story, the Doctor has been very sort of funny and witty, and you know, very jovial. That we, you know, the, the normal Doctor we expect from David Tennant. But in this bit, he's very, very unhappy. Yeah, um, because he even goes, for, you know, as far to say, like, you know, I'm, I'm almost tempted to not save you from this thing because mm. he's like, he actually, he actually says, you know, don't tell Donna I said this, but there are some people almost who aren't worth saving. Yeah. Um, so that's you know, it's a tiny little nugget there of like, ooh, of the darker ten that we yeah. do sometimes see on screen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like that. So that's yeah. a nice little little nugget they threw in there which was like oh mm. Mm. get get the doctor um <laughs> so that was really cool and uh and then yes this um i'm not going to tell you how exactly this creature this alien goes but suffice to say donna goes to sacrifice herself but yes she's alive and well yeah um and then they're off and um so that's the end of the third story and I just, it left me wanting so much more. Yeah, definitely. And I sound like David said it now. I was so much more. <laughs> yeah. But um, it did leave me wanting so much. I just felt like this is not enough. These yeah. three, because time does, uh, this is going to sound very massive pun here, but time does fly when you're listening to these. Because I think they're about an hour long each, aren't they? Or just Yeah, under just an about hour. an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I tell you, man, it feels like, like 20 minutes has gone past half an hour. And then, like, you, that's it. The story's done. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to more of these two. And I'm unfortunately, because of their schedules, I think it's going to be quite a while. It may be. I mean, they're obviously yeah. confident, though, because they've called this set Volume 1. Yes. Haven't yeah. they? The, the collected of the three, they've called it Volume 1. So that does suggest um, we've got some more to come. But, uh, yeah, it would be, yeah, I'm sure we will. And I echo your your thoughts on that i would love to hear more of this i think they they've done a great job with these stories uh death and the queen just to sort of wrap it up yep um yeah in terms of storyline it's a fairly straightforward story but but what makes it for me is is the witty script that's written for for, for david and uh, Catherine. they absolutely embrace it they're in full flow and i i just found it a really enjoyable listen um i'm gonna give it um Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it, I've written 7 out of 10 actually, that can't be right because I enjoyed this a lot more than Time Reaver, that's because I changed it on a second, so I'm going to give this uh, I'm going to go 8 out of 10 8 out of 10, 
I just really, yeah, I, did, I enjoyed it. Eight out of ten. Honestly. Okay, I'm going to go for a seven. Seven. Okay. Um, and I, the reason for that is because I absolutely loved uh, the Doctor and Donna in this, but I just felt like it was, it could have done with more substance within the story. Yeah, That's I know what you was. mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. So, uh, just to recap, then, so technophobia, um, we both gave it an eight point five. Time Reaver, uh, you gave it a seven. I gave it a 7.5 and then Death and the Queen, uh, I gave it a 7, you gave it an 8. Yeah. So I would say as an average out of the three, uh, the 10th Doctor Adventures, Volume 1, would be an 8 out of 10. Yep, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yep. 8 out of 10 for the set. Really, really good. I was going to say just quickly before we move on, the, the one thing I was worry, wondering about before this got released was how they were going to do the... Because the sound design's great. I think we both agree on all of these. The sound design is great. It conjures yep. up what you need to hear and to, to, to realise what's going on. Um, but I was thinking about the music because obviously Murray Gold is so prominent in the 10th Doctor yep. TV series. So I was thinking, so obviously they haven't got Murray Gold. And, you know, they do do good instrumental music, but obviously there's quite a high standard there. Yep. Um, I have to say, I think the music in the, these stories although it doesn't stand out anywhere near as Murray Gold's music, just does the job brilliantly. I mean, it didn't, there was at no point where I was thinking it didn't feel like the TV series because, you know, of the sound design and music. It, they did a great job, I yes. think, with both. It totally fits. You know, no. it may not be that grandeur of Murray Gold, but uh, the instrumental music in this is still really good and totally suits, like, the, the, the era that they're trying to slot it in with. No, I totally agree with you, mate. It's... um. It's it it's it's pretty much if we if we're going to take David Tennant and Catherine say out of the equation for a moment and just talk about it purely just from um, a production from Big Finish, it's mm. one of the many examples where they just nail everything in the production. Yeah, which they've yeah. done a lot. You know, can't fault it at all. Um, yeah. So, like the audio quality is just amazing. Um, the music, like you say, really suits the stories. It's really good. The writing is superb. Even like, um, so like when we all got excited about the cover art. So mm -hmm. um, the guy, uh, the guy that does a lot of these ones is called Tom Webster, um, who pops up on the Doctor Who fan show now and then. Um, you know, he even the artwork is just amazing. You know, so you get the entire package with this. Um, and uh, if you've not picked up the um, uh, the special edition version either, the limited edition, sorry, um, that's still available. Yeah, I was going to say, yep. if you're wondering whether to get them individually or, or the box set, I mean, we've both gone for the box set. The behind-the-scenes disc, I think you'd agree with me, is really nice. It's about an hour long. Mm -hmm. The the comedy between David and Catherine on the behind-the-scenes is just worth it for, to, to get alone. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. they are so naturally funny together mm -hmm. um on the on the behind the scenes disc i was just i really really enjoyed it it's much more than just going banging on about well we decided to write this blah blah the, the, you know the interviews of Catherine and david are, are hilarious on the behind the scenes yeah. um, and you also get a nice extra bonus disc which is the uh the worlds of doctor who on big finish which is just basically goes through their catalog and again is a really nice little disc to have so yeah i would recommend getting the box set um, just for those, they're they're really nice little extras. Yeah, and that extra you you spoke about, the the behind the scenes, mm. that that's not just a little, oh, you know, we did this, and you know, that's literally over an hour. It, it's longer than the stories themselves. Yeah. Um. So it's over an hour, 
and it's got everyone on there. But the um, yeah, just like the on the, I was going to say off camera. Then the off microphone mm-hmm. uh, chemistry and banter between the two of them, like you say, it's it, it's just like they are you know in front of the microphone or the camera. It's just. You can oh, they, tell they're they great clearly mates, get yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, they get on. And do you know what I loved was the fact that Nick Briggs says that, you know, this set kind of happened because of David Tennant, didn't it? He, David Tennant, once again, just being the brilliant ambassador for Doctor Who that he is. I mean, he really is a fan. There's no doubt about it. And we've talked about how good he is at, at keeping himself in the loop of Doctor Who because he's, he's been very successful outside of it. Let's not make any bones of it. If he wanted to leave Doctor Who behind t- tomorrow, he could. He you know, he's a oh, yeah. successful actor, but he really likes keeping himself in the loop, clearly. <laughs> and Nick Briggs was saying that, you know, this set pretty much happened because he was recording with them for something completely different years ago and said to him, you know, well, when are we going to do when we're going to do Doctor Who? And Nick Briggs was like, well, uh, well, would you be up for doing that? He's like, I thought all doctors did that. You know, so basically he said, you know, get it rolling. I'm up for it. Let, let's do yeah. it whenever you can get the rights. You give me a call and we'll we'll sort it out the schedule. So you know, kudos to David Tennant for just for just being so fantastic in in terms of wanting to still be the Doctor. You know, even now he's left, he still wants to be such a big part of it. And I I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think um, in that behind the scenes or in the the Vortex magazine, I think it was David Tennant's idea to yeah. stick with the three individual stories. Yeah, he was like, I want to do a three-parter where we get to explore as many different avenues for aliens and circumstances and settings and stuff as possible. I don't, he said, I, I'm not really keen on doing like a really big long story arc. Um, exactly. You yeah. Know, you know, I, I really want to do these really cool little individual adventures. So he's absolutely into it, isn't he? You, you know, he's like you say, he really wants to carry on being the Doctor and keep his keep his hand in and stuff but and um, i think he might have suggested Catherine as well i think he might have said i'm not yeah i'm pretty sure on the making of he's like you know I, he he suggested Catherine would be a good one to bring in that's right um, yep. and i have to say i think she is the perfect choice for the doctor and companion on audio because they just work so well on audio because i was wondering if this set would have worked as well if it had been rose as much as mm. i like the character rose in the first series you know i just think these two are just made for audio uh, in terms of they are so good at it. Yes, I would say that if it was written for Rose, it would be a completely different vibe. It would be more of a... Um, it but you can't be... imagine Death and the Queen being anywhere near as good no, not at about all. Donna. It's totally written for Donna's personality and it works so well because yeah. of it. So. I think if it was Rose, it would be too emotional. It would be too... You know. It would be interesting to see, but it, would, it wouldn't it would be... Yeah, I just love this pairing on audio. I think they're, they're absolutely made for it. I'll tell you what I would love to see, and I only mention this because I watched uh, a review by our, our good friend Ben Lett, the host productions. He was saying how cool would it be if in the next set they, they bring Wilf into it, uh, Bernard Cribbins. Uh-huh. I was like, yep. yes, please. please. I would, like, I would yep. definitely... I would love to see Bernard join this cast. Can you imagine how good that would be? So, um, yeah. Fingers crossed. That would just be awesome. It would be. And Donna does reference um, her granddad and her mum. Yeah. Um, in the first story, Technophobia. Um, she is talking to Bex about her granddad. Bex with an X. Bex with an X, yep. Um, so before we get on to our listener reviews, um, I'd probably say if you, you know, I think we both are in agreement on this. It's an absolutely recommended uh, big finish set to get. Um, 
even if you don't want to spend a bit more money and get you know the special edition with you know all that stuff even if you just go on and buy the download you know the 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 stories and the characters are worth it you know alone so highly recommended set absolutely yeah um so as expected uh, we didn't get any um audio reviews in oh really oh yep and we didn't get sort of many reviews and that was i sort of expected that because um you know out of you know all the listeners that normally contribute and stuff not you know a very tiny portion of them would actually would have picked up the big finish Mm. um well it's still quite new set isn't it because this is why we we delayed it for a week or two. It's very difficult to know when people are going to get this and listen to it. But yeah, yeah. Um, but we did have some reviews in, which is good. So um, our good buddy on Twitter, Mr. George Garrity, um, who likes to send his reviews in over multiple tweets. Uh, it's good. Um, he says, um, uh, right, uh, te- he's a technophobia. Great intro- reintroduction. Uh, to the Dr. Donna Tardis team. Uh, plot is thin and monsters seem generic. However, I do love the side characters of Bex and Kevin, uh, despite the other uh, being um, uh, being 2D. The first story gets a 7.5. Uh, he okay. says, Time Reaver, fantastic story, full of great original ideas. I'm surprised the idea hasn't been used in TV yet. Mm. Um, which is a good point. because the It is. Yeah. Um, villain is great, but overshadowed by the weapon itself. Uh, Cora's character is naive and her twist is sad but understandable he gives it a 9 out of 10 for that one Okay. Um, but he said he hasn't had a chance yet to listen to the third story Death and the Queen um, and he makes a very big apology he's sorry for that and all that stuff but uh, you know what when you've got exams to do and all that stuff don't worry about it we fall very very low in mm. the priority pile for, for that stuff so thank you very much for, um, for jumping on there and give us your review mate yeah, cheers, George. Be interesting to know what you think of Death and the Queen. I think it is one that will divide. People will either like it or find it a bit too comical, I think. So, yes. yeah. yeah, hope you enjoy it. Let us know. Sure, let us know. And then over on Facebook, uh, Sammy Satine, uh, she says, So, Ten and Donna arrive at a museum of couple uh, museum a couple of years in the future where the technology is misbehaving and turning people who have had lots of exposure stupid. Um, who's behind it and can they stop it? They meet Bex, the temp and receptionist, um, who is awesome. They also meet a train driver called Kevin, who helps to save the day. Uh, the aliens, uh, the Cognoscenti, have creepy voices and are a good addition to the line of Doctor Who monsters. Uh, the next story, uh, about an alien uh, garage planet where they have all sorts of parts for any alien spaceship. Uh, so naturally, it is a, uh, is a, has a part for the TARDIS. Um, the the squid is definitely a slimy, slippery, evil uh, squid, and it's voiced very well. Um, the Time Reaver itself uh, is an interesting and well-developed concept. It sounds truly horrible and not something that you'd like to encounter uh, ever. Lastly, uh, we have the Donna marries her prince. Uh, Donna is to live every little girl's dream um, and that of every princess and marry a handsome prince. Unfortunately, not, does, uh, not only does his country not exist, but the marriage is not uh, all it seems. Uh, so marrying death instead of the handsome prince feels like something the prince should have mentioned before asking her to marry him. <laughs> uh, absolutely love uh, Hortense. Go Hortense. Uh, the other members of the support cast for each story are great. Great to hear Terry Malloy play someone other than Davros, uh, though he does make an excellent Davros. Uh, death is partly based on the Grim Reaper from the Monty Python movie, uh, The Meaning of Life, which I find interesting. Uh, she loves Ten and Donna together. Um, they are the first TARDIS team that she ever saw and Donna is her favourite of the new series companions 
spent the entire time listening to this grinning from ear to ear. Loved hearing the old theme tune. Also, big finish. If you are listening, please bring on volume two. She gives it a 10 out of 10. Excellent. Yeah, we echo that. Um, lastly, on Facebook, uh, Lewis Palmer says, a great start to Tenant on Big Finish. Uh, technophobia, really great story with good monsters. Brilliant support cast with Bex with an X. Uh, great performance. Um, overall, uh, overall enjoyable experience, 9 out of 10. Time Reaver. For me, this was the weakest story of the set. It wasn't bad, but compared with the other two, it was underwhelming. Didn't care for the villain, and I found Cora naive, Cora's naivety annoying, 7.5. Mm. Uh, Death and the Queen just slightly better than Technophobia for making it the best of the set Donna was great in this and her scenes with the Doctor were really touching I love the concept of this story and it's executed brilliantly uh, James Goss's writing is great I think Hortense could return in Volume 2 and I would love that 9 out of 10 so overall this gets a 25.5 out of 30 <laughs> uh, which is a great score uh, I thought David Tennant's voice sounded different in Technophobia though not a huge deal but slightly distracting People have said um, that this set is too basic, but I think that was what was needed to reintroduce us to the Tenant era. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Did you have anything on the Geeks handbag page? Uh, no, I didn't have anything on the on the post, um, but I have sort of chatted to people since its release on Geeks, and um, I, the overall feeling towards this set has been really positive. I haven't really heard anything or spoken with anyone that that had anything particularly bad to say about it so yeah overall i think the geeks handbaggers uh, are giving this a big thumbs up a big thumbs up um yeah so i don't know about you mate but i could probably sit here and talk about this box set and stuff for probably another hour or so but uh we've got to wrap it up i was gonna say i could easily listen to it again in fact i will it is one of those sets i will listen to again and again and do you know what i i have a feeling that um Time Reaver, despite being my least favourite at the minute, I've got a feeling that's going to change because I, I just love the concept of it and I, I don't know. It's a good set. Also, I'll tell you what's good about it as well. All three stories are different. Yes. So like I was yep. saying about Death of the Queen, there'll be one day I'll be in the mood for that, another day be in the mood for Time Reaver and so on. So yeah, definitely yep. a set I'll be listening to again and again. It's almost like a sort of mini series for David Tennant because mm. they're all different and it's all really cool. You know, exactly what you love about Doctor Who. Yeah. You know, great little adventures. You know, all that stuff. It's just really good Who. Bring um, on volume two. Absolutely, mate. So that's going to do for um, our review. Um, next week, we are back to TV. And yeah. uh, uh, we're going to do um, uh, some more modern Who. Who what, we, what Doctor are we doing and what episode next week, buddy? Next week, it's the 12th Doctor. We're coming bang up to, well, almost bang up today. 12th Doctor, um, the story we're doing <laughs> is the robot of Sherwood. Uh, yes, robot Sherwood. Gatis, Gatis, robots. Yes. Mm. Um, some interesting thoughts on this one. Because yeah. this one really divided people from the, for the 12th did. Doctor. Yes. Um, so once again, look out for the post on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and feelings on uh, the robot of Sherwood. Yeah, and we haven't done it. I was going to say, those of you out there thinking, well, you, surely you reviewed it at the time. Uh, no, we didn't, <laughs> because I think we had a lot of opinions on it, but it was sort of lost in the ether. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting through that one with you. Yeah, it's going to be great. That's going to be good. Uh, yeah, so I think that's going to do for episode 94. Excellent.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us. Um, appreciate it's been a bit of a different one this week uh, as we've talked through um, an audio adventure rather than our usual TV affair. I've liked mixing it up. I don't know about you. It's been good to change it up a gear. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed uh, talking through Big Finish. If you want us to do any more Big Finish, um, absolutely let us know. And it doesn't have to be um, something that's just come out from Big Finish or whatever. If you want us to do something that's been out a couple of years ago or whatever, um, if you like it, just let us know and um, we will throw it on the schedule. If enough of you want us to do it. Um, right, so head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk You can listen to all of our previous episodes on there and you can also jump off to Twitter, Facebook and all that stuff and you can also uh, click the button on there to go over and subscribe to the show and if you uh, want to subscribe in iTunes, that's all good and if you listen to us on iTunes uh, if you could give us a review or a rating that would be amazing because that really helps us a whole great deal uh, Also check out Adam's channel the Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag, yeah. Loads of great vids on there to go back and enjoy. I haven't done one for a while, but I'll, I'll have some new stuff coming up soon. Yeah, maybe I'll do a review of this tremendous uh, <laughs> Funko Pop keyring. Uh-huh. The award-winning. <laughs> I won't, but uh, yeah. 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 The award-winning keyring. Yeah. So do go and check out Adam's channel. It's really, really good. Loads of great stuff on there. Just search for him on YouTube and Facebook. Loads of good stuff. Right. Uh, until next week, when we revisit the 12th Doctor and mm. those angry eyebrows. And the spoon. And the spoon, yeah. My name is Gary. My name is Adam. And until then, remember... (laughs) Aldi! Aldi!